and welcome back to the newest episode of Cake Bites. I'm super excited to have Carlos on the show today. Um, but before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much to Buzzsprout for sponsoring the show as always. And be sure to stick around after the show for a word from some of the other shows in the Little Fella Media Podcast Network. So, Carlos, thank you so much um, for joining me on the newest episode of Cake Bites. It was a real, real pleasure to meet you at E3 um, this last June. And we're definitely going to talk about the game, Chris Tales. But um, to get started, I want to talk about you because Chris Tales is your baby, <laughs> for lack of a better term. It's, it's, a, it's a project really close to your heart. And I just want to uh, get started with what got you into games to really begin your journey to uh, Chris Tales? Of course. Uh, so first, to be fair, I, I have to admit that it's not only my baby, but it's also uh, the, the gameplay director, Yadir, and, and the art director, Sebastian's baby. I mean, it was done by the three of us. I'm kind of like the guy with the idea. So I kind of came up with the idea of the you know crystals of time and the three times and everything. Uh, but basically, it, it's, I mean, they helped me make how it looked and how it played so mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. there you go um uh, but how did i start in games well um i've always been very very indecisive uh <laughs> so i never know what to choose on any particular topic at all so i decided to make games because i wanted i, I couldn't decide what to do with my life so I liked music, I liked literature, I liked games, I like I like movies, I like a lot of forms of, of entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought with games I could mix a ton of them. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's that's basically why I, I kind of picked games. But uh, when, from, from when I was a child, I mean I was very close to games. My, my aunt who lived in the States, brought me a very, very uh, uh, new, like just when it, when it launched uh, uh, the version of the NES. And, and I had the Famicom ever since then, like all of the consoles I've had, uh, even the Atari 2600, I'm old. So I had them all. Well, except for the Dreamcast and basically any Sega platform. Mm -hmm. And you, you don't live in the States. No, I don't live in the States. I, I live in Colombia. Uh, <laughs> so, and back in those days when I was a child, there was no such thing as global simultaneous release. So, you know, everything was launched in the US and then months, sometimes years later, you would arrive to other coasts. Now everything's, you know, super easy. You kids have it so easy these days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everything arrives everywhere very fast. So, yeah. And what were the games that you really, uh, that really stuck out to you or that you played when you were a kid? So it was really traumatic to see my parents play Super Mario Brothers uh, up until 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they never played a lot after that, but they really, really liked that original game and they played a lot 
uh, so that was really traumatic. But from my childhood, I really remember very fondly the days of the Super NES with my brother, mm. who uh, uh, is also a, a very great inspiration to me. So with him, we both played a lot of Super Mario RPG. I really remember one time where we rented it and we tried to beat it because, I mean, that was that was my first RPG, actually. And uh, yeah, and I didn't know what was an RPG and I didn't know it was so long. And I was like, what the hell is it? And how come I'm playing this super long story and it has a lot of people talking and uh, my English wasn't that good back then. I should have learned English uh, uh, by playing games. So you know, and Super Mario RPG was one of the, the, the big influences back in, uh, uh, back in uh, those days. Actually, I remember there was this moment where you actually had to wait for like a character to jump and to you know run and do a lot of stuff. I couldn't do it at the beginning, mostly because I didn't understand what what said that they were asking of me. So you know, playing an RPG without knowing a lot of the language that you're playing in, it, it's tough. It, it's tough. I mean, although I did have a dictionary with me, so I, I learned a lot of English like that. <laughs> When you were growing up, were there a lot of opportunities to look into game development? I know you said you, you kind of came into it not really knowing what you wanted to do, but you knew you had an interest in entertainment. Was that really, was there an opportunity for you to pursue that in Colombia? So that's actually something very, very funny. Um, in a way, th there was there was not. I mean, of course, we don't have an industry here. But in a way, it's kind of very similar to what happens in the in a lot of parts in the U.S. So unless you live in San Francisco, unless you live in in uh, Austin, or very very particular cities, um, maybe North Carolina, um, you don't have a lot of ecosystem to work at, or actually to to get uh, you know uh, information from or or basically in general you you're just the same as us because actually to some places my plane is shorter and you have to travel a lot so th that's the thing with game development I, I thought you know it was extremely yes the industry here in colombia it's still growing very very in early stages compared to the us but that's mostly uh due to the the publishers and the developers that have a long time since they started but the opportunities are equally slim for everyone. I mean, I have a lot of game developers from all over the world, all, all over Latin America, but also from uh, you know Europe. I have a lot of friends in Norway, a lot of friends in, in uh, you know Germany and uh, Romania, uh, Czech Republic, um, and they have a lot of the same issues that we do. I mean, they have the issues of funding, of getting funding, getting visibility, getting opportunities, because when you're at a GDC, you find people from basically everywhere and you compete against uh, people from China, people from India, people from the US, people from Canada. So it, it's actually, I'd say, equally difficult um, unless you can like, I mean, I guess something that would be better at some, uh, some countries would be the chance to study at a university that mainly has a, a, you know, like a career completely focused on games. But since I, I, I started 
very early on, like, I mean, I started game development like 12 years ago. There weren't a lot of universities in general, like uh, universities that, that taught um, game development. So, I mean, yes, of course, it was extremely difficult to do it from here, mainly finding the, the courage to go to the events. Um, but after I started going back in 2012, mm-hmm. I traveled six times a year uh, to basically everywhere in the world. Uh, in, in the U.S., yeah, I mean, it, it's wow. in the U.S., I've been to San Antonio, to PAX South, uh, to Austin, Texas, to for the South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles for well for E3, also for for Indicate we were nominated once there. Uh, I mean, we've I mean, but also to to uh, Czech Republic. We worked with a publisher there, to Germany, to Cologne, to Gamescom, which is an incredible and absolutely marvelous event. Yes. So, I I say a lot of people think it's only difficult. I mean, it's like more difficult. Mm-hmm. In some respects, it is, but I'd say we all have the same difficulty creating a game everyone wants to play yeah. and showing it. Where do I show it? You know. Right. Well, what is that? Let's take a look at that. What that past looked like for you. So you said like twelve years ago that that there wasn't a program for you. So what did you what did you do? I actually started like, and and a lot of people from all over the world started the same way. So we started making games with, I started making games with XNA. It was a, 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 like a framework mm-hmm. for game development that, that Microsoft um, launched. That was way before Unity, way before Unreal was actually uh, uh, like like usable for, for you know, mass consumption. Um, so a lot of us started on XNA, and it was it was very cryptic, very weird. Uh, but we all started with a with a little uh, top down uh, bullet hell shooter that they had as an example, and that we all modified and and, and tested. We also worked a ton of us also worked on Flash, mm-hmm. uh, Flash game development uh, until um, until Steve Jobs killed it basically but but yeah we, we all we, we all have a, a, a fondness in our hearts for for flash game development <laughs> and so when you were going to school what did you study uh systems engineering like uh you know programming basically that i'm, I'm the cliche game developer although <laughs> I, I I don't program. I haven't programmed anything for like five years now. I <laughs> when did you meet the people that you're working with now? Well, um, it's been a long journey, really long journey. When I started, I just basically wanted to make games. It was it was really fun, and you know, uh, I I had some friends from the university that also wanted to make games. So we created kind of like an investigation group as to how to make games. We actually created it around how to make games with XNA. Oh. And, yeah. And 
and there were a lot of programmers, of course, in my career. Uh, but in my university, also we had uh, like an art uh, degree. So we talked to a lot of artists in that career, and we told them, "Hey, how come? I mean, what do you think if we, you know, uh, complement each other and make a game?" A lot of them wanted to make games. Also, I mean, they they liked games, but you know, they didn't know it was possible. So we just invited them, mm-hmm. and boom, we made a small game. And we we did like three small games and trying out different engines. We used the Earlicked engine. We used the Newton physics engine. Uh, you know, we used a lot of those uh, uh, that were very popular back in the day, like the Panda 3D engine. Like every game developer will tell you how old that is. Uh, the Torque, well, a lot of game engines. And then we really liked Flash because it was really, really fast. Uh, and we started, I mean, uh, as soon as I graduated, I started with a friend of mine to uh, and created my first game company called Below the Game. Mm-hmm. And uh, Below the Game, um, you know, did a lot of those Flash-based games, uh, a lot of those, uh, you know, really... Uh, um, small uh, uh, games for for companies we actually the name below the game uh, was thought because we were doing below the line advertisement through video games so it was like an ad, ad, an advert gaming company mm-hmm. and that's how we made our living uh, uh, like like a lot of companies like a lot of game companies I've, I've seen uh, start doing like something else aside of game development because what they want to do is game development but you know, it's very difficult to start off like that. So you do a lot of work for hire. You do a lot of outsourcing. You create a lot of games to promote a brand or to promote a product, which is very engaging and it's very interesting. But that wasn't what we loved. So it was difficult. And especially, again, here in Colombia, that was difficult, like the beginning, because in the U.S., I guess you have a little bit more understanding of how software is expensive although i've heard it's not that easy either but whatever uh (laughs) the thing is that people it's easier for people to understand that something costs money when you have a brick when you have uh you know like like something tangible but if you're trying to sell services i don't know if that has happened to you but if you're trying to sell services it's a lot harder for people to value the time that you invest on something, uh, the 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 time you've had to investigate or to think about how will you do this. So it was really really difficult. We, I, I still remember my first job, uh, uh, the first job we had with the company. It was six months after we started it. We didn't get a lot of money. I mean, we didn't get any money before that, and that project in particular was. $150 uh, for making a Facebook game. Oh, wow. There was all, that was all the rage back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the Farmville craze. Oh my God. We <laughs> had that period in our lives where that bill uh, uh, virus was spreading all over Facebook. So everyone in your contacts invited you for X, Y, Z. So whatever. Uh, and and but we we wanted to make everything that was resembling a game. Mm-hmm. So 
you, we said, okay, let's do it. We we agreed to that on a Friday and we had to deliver that by Monday. Right. Whatever. I mean, we, we were going to do it. I mean, that's, that's what the freelance programmer, I mean, that's what the scene looked like. And I mean, it gave you an opportunity to build a portfolio that you could show. I mean, I feel like that's a perfect. I, I've talked to developers. I talked to a developer that said that his roommate, before he got the job with um, EA, which got bought by Origin not long after, but he said what got his friend, his his friend a job was his D&D campaign maps. Because it showed that he, and then he got a job as a level designer. I mean, so anything can be turned into a, <laughs> an opportunity to show off your skills if you try. And there's something that we value a lot. Like now that I'm the CEO of a company, I actually value a lot more than, than if people studied at X or Y university. I, uh, what I value the most is that, uh, what have you done? You know, I, I don't care if you're a guy, a girl, a dog, a cat, white, Asian. I mean, that, that doesn't matter at all. The, the only thing that matters is what have you done and what can you bring to the table? Actually, the art director, uh, um, Sebastian, hasn't finished uh, high school. Um, and high school, you, wow. High school, yeah. And you've seen Christelle's art. So. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's he, like one of the top compliments for the game. <laughs> yes. And he studies a lot. He's very knowledgeable in art. Um, and that's all empiric. That's all him reading, uh, investigating. It, 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 he, I mean, he's, he's incredible. Also, the gameplay director, the Yadir, who, who programmed the game originally and still programs a lot of the gameplay, uh, is... Um, uh, didn't finish uh, university, so you know it's it's it's. I'm pretty proud of the team, and yeah. and it, it's hard to find such talents. Um, but but yeah, it it doesn't matter where you're from. It's no matter what what you do, where you live, whatever. The only thing that matters is your talent and your dedication to your dreams. And so, how big is um? your team at Dreams Dream Uncorp- Dreams Incorporated. And are y'all all located in Colombia? Where, where exactly in yes. Colombia are y'all? So, um, particularly Yadira Sebastian and, and uh, Camilo, another, uh, uh, my brother and I, we are the SIG team. So that's like the original cast that created Crystals. It was SIG. So Sebastian, Yadir, Carlos, and Camilo. <laughs> uh, so all four of us, the SIG team, um, we, we work here alongside my, my other company, which is Dreams Incorporated. We are 20 people uh, here and uh, a lot of artists, a lot of uh, producers, uh, uh, managers, uh, artists, programmers, um, assemblers, um, you know, ton of people. <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's very fun. It's very interesting. Um, but, but yeah, uh, uh, it's... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm very proud of them. And, and everyone is here in Bucaramanga. <laughs> Bucaramanga. There you go. What? <laughs> I try, I try. Um, I live in Texas, so I try to pick up Spanish. It's very bad. I'm a, oh, very poor, very, very poor. A ton of people in Texas uh, speaking Spanish. 
So, um, but so you have your original team, the sick team. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how Chris Tales was born um, and the origins of it? Um, I think one of the things that really moved me was how passionate you were um, when we met <laughs> and you, you showed me what you could of Chris Tales and what you showed me is available on Steam. So what we're going to talk about, like, you know, what, what you have, anybody who's listening will have the opportunity to, to try out Chris Tales um, immediately right now, if you want to, if you haven't already. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but but your passion about um, about the the game and the the, the story um, and the world that you built was was like it moved me um, and I want to learn about everything that went into that because I am greedy for a good story. <laughs> that's actually great because uh, that's that's all I basically live for. Uh, <laughs> not only to tell stories, but to tell stories through mechanics. I, I find that very interesting. I'm, I mean, I, I became, I mean, what I wanted to be was a game designer. I, I really wanted to create mechanics. I wanted to tell stories through mechanics, through different ways of, of interacting with people, with in, in talking with people. So I always come up with really weird ideas. That That's kind of like my signature, like, me personally, I come up with weird ideas. So, uh, for instance, my previous game with with uh, my other company, you love the game. Uh, we created a game called Heimrich. So Heimrich, it's a game about walking on top of words. So you literally walk on top of the story. There's a character that walks on top of the story. Mm-hmm. So you walk, you pick up stuff, you, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, imagine that that here's the best example of it. Like you're so you walk, and the story says uh, there was a key that opened the door of destiny. That's mm-hmm. that's what it says. You you can read that, and your character starts walking on top of each word. Mm-hmm. until you get to the word door mm-hmm. and you cannot get through because there's a door there. So in order to open the door, you have to go back to where it said key mm-hmm. and you grab the key. Mm-hmm. So basically you materialize all of the words that are written and that you walk on top of them. So it's a very, very particular story. Uh, you're a scribe in the Middle Ages, and uh, you receive the power of the words. So you basically can solve problems in the real world by entering the book, the, the word world, and uh, solving the problems there. And they will be solved in the real world. So it's a very, very weird story. I, I think it was very, very interesting. Um, we, we, we didn't have enough time to like put everything that I wanted in it. Uh, but you can play it. It's a wonderful game. It, uh, we also have like a, a, a kids version of it uh, on, on iOS. And is Hamrick is also on iOS or is it on PC or? It's it's on PC, Xbox One, and and PS4. Oh wow! Yes, I will have links to all of your um, anything, uh, all of your games and stuff that you have, and whatever your social media is. That'll all be on my website in the show notes too. And so the and so Hamrick. After Heimrich came. After Heimrich, which was like our, our latest game with, with the other company, came the first game with Dreams Incorporated and, and oh, Sick, wow. which is Chris Tales. 
So Chris Sales is like the, the culmination of a lot of our work. It's basically, you know, everything that I've been working on for 12 years. And um, a lot of the people that have worked with me that have trusted what we are trying to accomplish. So I'm really, really proud of everyone who has worked on this. And Chris Sales was born because we also, because we wanted to build something different. So I came up with this really weird idea of what happens if you see past, present, and future at the same time. So, fun fact, Chris Sales wasn't born an RPG. Um, Chris Sales was just an experiment of how it would feel to just see past, present, and future at the same time. Hmm. Like just a test? Just a test, just because we do a lot of tests with weird ideas. A lot of them, you know, don't work. Mm -hmm. Some of them do, like Chris Sales. And, <laughs> and um, after we created that, we kind of thought, okay, so how can we turn this into a great game? But that's actually how I start with my games. Mm -hmm. I just start with the seed, with, with just a little idea. And then I started experimenting and telling myself, okay, so how can this turn into an actual uh, uh, a game? And the way with Chris Sales was let's turn into an RPG, like finding a genre for that mechanic. Mm -hmm. So we found a genre and we started messing around with it and we thought, okay, this is really interesting. How about if we actually put the enemies in one side of the screen and in the other side of the screen and you actually fight both sides and you know it's always kind of like a pincer attack on you mm -hmm. but you have the crystal of the past and the crystal of the future you know looking at both sides so yeah we we, we thought that that felt right and that's why we we started making an rpg wow i can't believe y'all went with layering multiple mechanics right off the bat i feel like but but i feel like you guys have crafted something that feels really fresh um, in terms of mechanics, and, and at least in what I've seen and what I've played through in in um, in the demo, also, um, the the game is really heavily inspired by your home country, correct? It is. Uh, like everything, <laughs> the the characters, the setting, um, just everything. Can you can you talk more specifically about um, what building the world was like after you guys settled on that? Um, RPG influence? Yeah, so uh, Sebastian had this idea of, okay, so how would a Disney princess look if she was from Colombia? And uh, she came up with this very unique concept and look of, of a half anime, half comic book, half cartoon network, half Colombian <laughs> style of drawing uh where you can see a lot of those influences but it's its own thing mm -hmm. um so and and from that we started going okay so how about if we, we always try to we admire something that is uh a lot of people uh, i mean th that you can see it done in the movies like for instance coco we really loved how coco represented like the mexican culture mm -hmm. We are trying to do something similar here. We're trying to romanticize our culture, like everything that makes us us. Yeah. 
but we don't want to make like put it in your face like it's a little bit uh like um in in a lot of movies like devil's advocate when the devil is called john milton and john milton is a reference to um a christian poet uh those things enrich the experience a lot so you, you actually get a lot of of those of what the world is if you don't just you're like come on come out and say everything oh this is this this is no, no no like it's just the essence of what the culture is trying to say like the messages that the people here are trying to convey for instance here in colombia we're all very friendly we're all very you know we are very, we, we dance uh, uh, the way we dance. It, it's very close. It's, we have very different standards to a lot of the how people in other parts of the world behave. Even though we're very similar, uh, there are certain um, very- uh, um, Nuances. Nuances that, that makes you realize someone is not from there. We kiss in the cheek every time we meet a person. So that's, uh, I mean, I know that's really weird for uh, for people in the U.S. Um, we hug a lot, like a lot, <laughs> uh, and it's uh, and it's weird for us when people don't hug. It's like, do you hate me? I mean, I <laughs> why did I what did I do that for you to dislike me so much? Um, so that's it. I mean, uh, it was it was. Uh, we wanted to portray who we were. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad portrayals of our country. So we thought, hey, how about we approach this from an angle that no one has ever approached it before? How about we create our own type of fantasy? I mean, a, a Colombian fantasy, if you will. Yeah. A, a fantasy that's heavily inspired by your heritage, by your roots, but it doesn't mention anything at all about them it's something that you can play that you can enjoy that you can you know uh, but but you don't need to know where it came from and that's something that I, I actually find beautiful like a lot of people might just play it and think it's a beautiful rpg and probably never realize it's from colombia up until you know probably the last moments where we uh, uh uh, you know, where a friend tells him, hey, you know, this is actually a real place and it's very similar or it's heavily inspired by it. So, you know, we, we are really happy to to be able to to create something like this. We hope with the, with the finished product, a lot of people will come out and say, hey, uh, maybe Colombia, it's, it's a very interesting place that we should go and meet. <laughs> and let's say, I guess maybe we should have done this earlier. <laughs> But let's say somebody hasn't seen anything about Chris Tales. So they don't know anything about the game. Um, what would you tell them about the game? How would you pitch it? <laughs> <coughs> so it's a it's a JRPG mm-hmm. created in Colombia where you can see past, present, and future at the same time, and you use those mechanics to fight in turn-based battle systems with a completely innovative uh, set of controls and systems. So I think that would be like like my my take on it. 
But luckily, luckily, if you're interested in Chris Tales, you can play the demo on Steam right now. Uh-oh. <laughs> I yes. mean, and Thank I mean, you. no, Thank I'm. Right. I mean, I just mean, I I really enjoyed it. I I personally played a lot of RPGs as a kid. I played, I I didn't have other kids in my family that I played video games with very much. Um, And so, and I just played RPGs as a consequence. They're single player anyway. Um, So when I I actually did not know anything about Chris Tales prior to going in, um, other than I had heard multiple people come up and ask if there was any way that they could go in and play the demo, (laughs) but they didn't have appointments or anything, so they weren't able to. So there was a lot of, like, people that were really excited about it, and you guys got a ton of nominations um, after the announcement. Um, What's the reaction to the game been like? It's been absolutely insane. <laughs> Everyone is really, really, really happy about it. Uh, uh, really excited. We, I mean, we couldn't believe how much people enjoyed the game, enjoyed the trailer. There's like 400,000 people who have seen the Modus trailer, like almost 300,000 people who have seen the, the same trailer on the Switch channel. Uh, so there's a lot of people who have enjoyed and, and are really excited about the game. Uh, we have a Discord channel, and you know people are really, really uh, excited about yeah. uh, the characters, the world, everything that we've shown so far. They've created a lot of fun art. So, and and there was actually a little, a little song, like a little composition that someone <laughs> did recently that was absolutely amazing, and I was, I was just so in love with what they created. It was just incredible. It was just beautiful. So, wow. uh, it's, it's yeah. I, I felt. I know, I don't know. I mean, because I have made a lot of games in the past, but this is the first time we created something that so many people in the world resonate with. So it, it's been really encouraging for us. It's been really motivating to create something that so many people seem to enjoy. And I think we have made a lot of people smile just with the demo. So I hope that we can keep on going, that we can keep on making people smile. Uh, we'll probably give a lot of more emotions to it because, of course, as an RPG, it has to have some drama. <laughs> uh, so it definitely will. Um, and if you don't mind me asking, like, uh, what, are, what are your favorite RPGs? What oh, are my the, goodness. The that you play? So my first RPG... I don't know. So I played a lot of... I watched my sister play... Final Fantasy. My sister's a lot older than me. She's like 19 years older than me. And so she had a family when I was growing up that her kids were the same age as me. So, but we weren't allowed to touch the consoles. So, (laughs) but, but I mean, they were playing Final Fantasy 7, you know, Final Fantasy 8, Final Fantasy, you know. So we would sit and we would watch like behind the couch. Um, Just we would watch them play. And so I did a lot of watching RPGs, and I really, really love Final Fantasy XII, um, which is not a popular opinion. Um, a, a lot of people really, really hate XII. Um, I love the Kingdom Hearts games, which just aren't JRPGs. Those are kind of I, I like the real time action in it, but um, the really convoluted story is, you know, far for the course. <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I love convoluted stories. <laughs> The gameplay designer Yadir loves both Kingdom Hearts and the the Final Fantasy twelve specifically. So uh, uh, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone. 
Wow. I I don't know if you ever heard of the Lunar series. Like, oh, okay. Yes, on the PlayStation. Um, so Lunar, I liked Lunar 2 as my favorite. The Lun- Lunar 2 is like the first, was the first game I played that had like full animated anime cutscenes like in the game. My mom bought it for me on a whim at GameStop. I love her to death that she doesn't really care for games, um, but she would just buy them for me. She would kind of figure out like what games looked like ones that I liked early. It was like early, it was like 90s anime. And, and I love the, the first one that, that had that that I played was the remake of Final Fantasy VI and I mean, and Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. The, and, and the, the... I Chrono Trigger like later in life. I, I played it in the in this uh, in the SNES in the Super NES, mm-hmm. but I didn't finish it. I ended up finishing it later on. Uh, uh, I mean, like, well, I did finish it on the Super NES, but I beat like the seventeen endings on the on the PlayStation mm-hmm. because they had these beautiful animated uh, um, endings. I was just so in love with like the Akira Toriyama did, uh, did a lot of them and you know his team so they were so beautiful I, I love the when when anime is on on, on the games I like um how was it playing it again as an adult Chrono Trigger from playing it as a kid on the Super Nintendo I, I just beat it again you know <laughs> because of course you we we are taking it as a great probably our biggest inspiration mm-hmm. um it certainly has a lot of, you know, quirks from from back in the day, and some things you would improve. Uh, like, for instance, the, the combat system feels a little bit slow um, at, at times. And and um, but I, I I actually felt it was extremely well designed. The game is not that long. I just beat it, and it was like twelve hours for me. And you know, it, the 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 design of the quest. And everything was just beautiful. It was just you know, really, really well done. The um, uh, how you were guided. I mean, I realize a lot now that I'm a game designer. More, more. It's not that I contrast it as an adult. I contrast it as a game developer, and I see a lot of what they did and wanted to do and accomplish. Like how you actually progressed so seamlessly without like a. a, a an arrow telling you everywhere, hey, you have to go here or here. It was very natural for you to explore and find what you had to do. It was like one instance or two where you actually kind of got a little bit lost, but but it wasn't a big deal. And also the characters. Oh my god, I love the characters. I I love the dialogue. Like the it was very simplistic for the time, but but it was all that was necessary. To tell to tell that story, so I'm I came, I mean I I rebid it and I was like in awe as to how they managed to create something so great, mm-hmm. like you know uh, uh, such a long time ago. I was really impressed by the amount of people that that did it because there weren't a ton. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, you see like you know, 200 people making a game. And and it was so incredible how they managed to accomplish that that feat with such a small amount of people. And I mean, they were great people, of course. But but yeah, I was I was really surprised by that. And what other um, influences? What other games would you say are um, pretty direct influences on the game in addition to Chrono Trigger? Definitely Super Mario RPG. 
the combat mechanics and like the the timing system and all the my, Mario and Luigi paper or the paper Mario series and or um, Final Fantasy VI. It's my favorite game of all times. It, it's absolutely incredible to me. Um, Chrono Trigger is my brother's favorite. Um, there's also I'd say well actually more modern influences have been Octopath Traveler. It's really good. Um, on my list of games to play, I've heard nothing but good things about that game. Yeah, I, I don't like. I, I mean, I don't like the story that much. I mean, some stories are good, some stories are not. I mean, I, I thought that the eight characters thing was interesting, but could have been done better. Mm. But the combat system, it's absolutely delightful. It's it's absolutely incredible. Very well done. The UX, it's a wonder to stare at. It, I, I love it. Um, Bravely Default as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a, a very heavy influence. A little bit older, but but a goldy one. It's uh, Radiant Historia, which is also plays with time, and I love games that play with time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Radiant Historia as well. Uh, the Persona series, of course, uh, has a lot of influence on UI and UX. So there's a lot of of or influences. Uh, I mean. I would say Valkyrie Profile as well, uh, uh, particularly on, on the animations and everything. Um, so, yeah, those are a lot of <laughs> very old and classic RPGs and very new and modern ones. But all turn-based are, are the ones that we get more more inspired from. And, uh, and people who play may recognize um, the voice of the main character, Chris Bell's voice actress. Is uh, Kira Buckland. Uh, who also be to be or near automata? Yes, another game I've had. No, I've had nothing but recommendations for. Oh God! I mean, near automata. It's really also really special to my heart. I, I actually think that's also a heavy influence. Um, I I I love Platinum's games. Uh, Hideki Kamiya. It's 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 fantastic designer. I mean, he didn't work a lot on that game, but I I love Platinum games in general. And uh, um, I, I think the director was, uh, I, I forget the name of the guy, but he's a guy who always comes up with like a moon in his head. It's insane. I, I love him. He's, he's a great designer. And um, he's weird because like you see, for instance, a lot of people criticize to be for being like this sexy maid and whatever. But the game is so freaking deep and existentialist. It's like after you play it, you you are like wondering, what am I doing with my life? Right. Why am I here? What does everything mean? It's like so awesome. It's beautiful. I, I love it. I love stuff like that. It's a like everybody watching Evangelion for the first time. Everybody's like they're they're getting to the last two episodes and they're like, what? We we yeah, exactly the same thing. Um, I, I I think it you you put an absolute perfect example. It's that it's like I I love that about Japanese people how freaking obsessed they are with the existence and why we're all here and why does it all mean I love that. It makes for good stories, man. Good. I'm gonna do it with Chris Sales. <laughs> Is that? Is there anything else that you want to mention about the game that I haven't asked about? Well, let's see. Uh, 
we work with a lot of people that are very, very talented. Uh, you know, on the writing side, we've had, uh, I mean, like, uh, um, help from Mark Nelson, who worked on the Fallout series, particularly Fallout 3. Um, and, and uh, you know, a lot of help also from um, uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew Osson, who also worked on, on Kingdoms of Amalur on the writing side as well. Uh, some counseling from... David Bergantino, who also worked on, on a lot of Nickelodeon games, THQ games. Um, the music what has a guest uh, um, music track, like the Nadine music track is composed. Um, so the, the main composition of like uh, most, uh, most of the game is done uh, by um, Tyson Wernley who hasn't worked on games before, on like audio for games before, but he is so freaking talented. I'm, I'm amazed that he hasn't worked on, on games before, but you've heard the, the audio for the game, so you've seen his words, you've heard his words, so he's absolutely amazing. Also, uh, Metal Gear composer or Bayonetta composer, uh, Hiroaki-san also worked on the, on the guest track from Narim. So we also had uh, help from him, uh, although most of the tracks were done by Tyson. Um, we also had, uh, I don't know, a ton of people who have helped us so far. Uh, uh, so I'm really happy. Uh, uh, Jason Slar and Alexander Mandrika were also some of my mentors when I was creating the game. I mean, I don't know. I want to mention a lot of people who, who have helped us. Uh, and, and I mean, I have to also say that, that the publisher has also, the publisher is also very passionate about the game, which is, I think it's pretty cool. And it's not that, I mean, I, I think they're kind of like our, our biggest fans. So uh, that, that is, that is great. You know, like to have your, your publisher be your fan. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited to be working on, on this particular project. I think a lot of people will end up liking it. And uh, hopefully a lot of people will will share it and will enjoy it. And we'll see a lot of the little magic touches that we wanted to add there. I don't know. It's it's the project I've been working my whole, my whole life to create. So, you know, no pressure. It sounds like, I mean, you've got a great project full steam ahead um the, the game is going to launch in 2020 so uh sometime next year and anybody who's interested can try the game out on steam um you can connect with uh carlos and the team on discord on social media and i will have links to all that stuff in the show notes um on cakebites.com um is there anything that you wanted to say before we uh say goodbye Thank you for this invitation. It's always lovely to talk about pre-sales. It's really, I mean, it was great to see your enthusiasm for the game where, where I, when I when I showed it to you. There was, it, it was really great, you know, like like to have someone, you know, be genuinely interested and, and passionate about something that you create. That, that's what I think as a creator, as, a, as an artist wannabe still, it, it's one of those things that make you like believe in yourself. So thank you. Thank you very much for that as well. Absolutely. And I know I'm echoing a sentiment that a lot of people share, but I am very excited. And, and like I said, I'll have links to everything um, in the show notes for today's episode on cakebites.com and um, in the description. Um, yeah. So I think that's everything. 
Thank you so much, Carlos. I really, really appreciate your time. Right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll have show notes for today's episode up on cakebites.com. Don't forget to like and follow the show on social media so you can keep up with updates as well as on Twitch so you can get updates when I finally go live. And yeah, I think that's everything. See you all next time. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is one of your hosts, Danny of Opinioneering. Now, when I say opinioneering, a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about. But what I mean is the word opinion and also engineering. So opinioneering is us going through life, giving our opinion about mostly nerd culture, pop culture things, really any type of culture. We get into a, a lot of tangents, but we like to delve in the realm of nerd culture and pop culture because that's what we grew up in. And now we are three nerd dads talking about the nerd culture here today and how we are moving forward and teaching our kids how to be nerds and we go into real big depths about film music comic books television so join us on the little fellow media podcast network today because we like having a lot of fun and hopefully it's with you because we're just three nerd dad friends in and around our 30s sitting around a booze-filled table talking about nerd culture so we want you to join in on the party so come on down to opinioneering and listen in Thank you all. Again, join us on the Little Fellow Media Podcast Network.